1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going? Not too bad, thanks. Uh,
0: looking forward to the Euro starting, and uh, oh. those two England friendlies have got me right in the mood.
1: Oh, haven't they just? I mean, <laughs> how pulsating international action, one nil wins against Austria and uh, Romania. But my uh, blacked-out, net 90s retro England top arrived today. A little oh, treat lovely. for myself, get in the mood. Oh, it's, I was <laughs> dead worried before it came. I was like, oh, it's going to be like that dead, buddy shiny, lycra material. It's going to not be very flattering on my uh, lockdown gut. I was very worried. But... It arrived, it fits, and it's coming home in it. But before we get on to um, a bit of Euros chat, uh, it's not been uh, for City. It's sort of Euros is not the probably the best word we want to hear at the minute after the Champions League defeat. Uh, last Saturday, but the dust is beginning to settle on that now, Um, over a week since it's gone, um, all the players are off on international duty, even De Bruyne has just arrived with Belgium on uh, Monday after kind of recovering from his uh, face injury from that Champions League final, but we're two days away, uh, Joe, um, from the, uh, the transfer window opening on June 9th, and it looks like it could be quite an interesting one. For City this season, Khaldoon on the Barrack gave um uh, a really big in-depth interview uh, last week on his um, end of season thoughts and looking towards the future um, on Man City's website. If you want to check it out, and the chairman, he had some interesting stuff to say on the transfer front, and he was um promising. Kind of making some kind of big kind of promises that you don't usually tend to hear from City, I don't think, kind of making it out pretty clear that they're going to go out and spend money this summer. He was saying he was very confident of replacing Aguero, who um, who's obviously leaving for Barcelona upon the expiration of his contract at the end of the month. What did you make of his comments, Joe? And like, and as you say, it seems like a striker is the main, going to be the main focus for this transfer window. And that will lead us obviously onto the, uh, I think, that what the saga of this window is going to be the Harry Kane versus Erlen Haaland debate.
0: I don't think it was a surprise what he said because we've heard from City since really the end of the last summer transfer window that they've got the money to one side to sign a big player. At, At the time it might have been Lionel Messi. Now it doesn't seem like it's going to be Messi in the frame, but since then Haaland has become the name that that might be available then it's Harry Kane after his comments to to Gary Neville so I think City have always been earmarking this this window as one to sign a big striker and that's been made very clear by allowing someone of the quality of Sergio Aguero to leave so it didn't really surprise me but the the manner of the sort of we are going to go and sign a big striker saying a a statement like that really sets you up for a window where you have to go and then back it up with a signing that really really impresses the fans because if you don't do that you've you've laid all your cards on the table and uh, it's clear that you, your window has been a failure if you don't bring in a player like that so yeah it'll be very interesting to see if it's Kane, if it's Haaland, if it's even someone else you know you, they could sign they could pull out a, a transfer of the likes of Ruben Diaz no one saw Diaz coming and he's been the player of the season, they could do that, they could sign a player that Uh, a striker that we've not expected. It's not Harry Kane, it's not Erling Haaland, but he then goes and scores 20, 30 goals and and everyone's happy. But, you know, at the end of the window, are people going to be happy with that? So it is going to be an interesting one. I think Harry Kane is the... uh, the one that, if he's available, you've got to go and get. He's proven in the Premier League. He's got at least you know four or five years left at the top level. He wants to get the Premier League goal-scoring record. He wants to become England's top scorer. It seems an absolute no-brainer. He wants to play with Kevin De Bruyne and City have the ammunition to to give him goal after goal after goal. It's just whether Spurs will let him go. And uh, since those, those comments that Kane says he wants to leave, we're seeing pretty much every city player linked with uh, you know a swap deal who's going to who's going to go to fund that transfer so yeah i think it's going to be i think the outgoings is going to be the one to look out for because spending 100 million on on a player isn't really what city do they they tend to balk at anything over 60 million as they did with harry maguire for example so yeah if if they do go for for that high an amount it will be uh, interesting to see how they justify that. And uh, if they do make it up by selling any players, what what would you say? If, it, if it's Kane or Haaland, who would you go for?
1: Well, that's, that's the, the debate, isn't it? Like, I hate to pat myself on the back, Joe, but I definitely <laughs> did call um, City signing Diaz on this very podcast, no less. Did you? Right, okay. absolutely did. I said he'd, I think they were saying heavily linked with Koulibaly at the time. And to me, that signing doesn't make didn't quite make sense. He was um, 28, 29, getting on. 60 million signing. Um, no doubt a quality centre back, but one who's spent all of his career, or at least the biggest part of his career, in Italy. To come here now at that age, when you haven't gonna, you aren't going to get much value for that money. Um, I thought Diaz just made so much more sense after seeing him play for Portugal in the uh, Nations League. I think um, he just looked absolutely excellent, and he's proven to be so. i said, I hasten to pat myself on the back, but I'm definitely going to take a win on that one. But I think the kind of difference between Koulibaly and Diaz is kind of similar to this Kane and Haaland debate. Kane is the best striker in the Premier League, especially now that Aguero has gone to kind of vacate that title for definite. But he is 28 now and his injury record is not great at all. He's With Kane, you pretty much guarantee you're going to miss him for at least five games a season out of four. His ankles... They just get injured on the regular basis. They're Obviously, he's played a lot of football in a short um, amount of time. He's constantly rushed back for important games when he's not fit, much to Spurs' detriment. It was that in the Champions League final um, when they lost to Liverpool. He wasn't fit. Spurs just looked rudderless with a half-fit cane up top. And I think similar might have happened, actually, in the Carabao Cup final this season against City. I think he was rushed back maybe the game before that. So he's not been managed right by... Spurs managers and fitness, and it might be his own determination to play. I imagine it is. He, as we, as you just said, he's such a headstrong footballer who wants to get all the goals, wants to play every game he can possibly play. He's the sort of player who wants to play, you know, the FA Cup matches in Marine because it's a good opportunity for him to get his goal goal tally up. But it takes a stronger manager. It needs a stronger manager to kind of manage him a bit better, I think, and not to rush him back. And I imagine this Euros again. He's not been. He's come back and been really good form at the end of the season, but. He's coming in, playing another summer tournament, going back into um, the season not long after. There's a lot of wear and tear on Kane. And as I say, even though he's an amazing striker, and 28 is not the worst age in the world, not at all. But when you're looking at 100 million, it's going to be for Kane. You'd thought maybe a bit less if um, Levy can be uh, kind of dragged down because of Kane's transfer requests and making it very public that he wants to leave. Maybe a swap deal, as you say, even though they are always unlikely. To me, it's, it's just going to be Haaland. It makes more sense. I know Haaland is £150 million this year and is he's, he's got a buyout clause that comes into effect next summer, which takes that buy, down by about half, I believe. And Dortmund clearly in a position where they want to keep Haaland for another year and potentially sell Jadon Sancho this summer instead. And wouldn't want to lose two of the biggest attacking sparks in one summer, so it might not be doable. And if City need a striker this summer, as we've said, I think Calderon was a real strong statement of intent. If they don't deliver a striker now, It's just going to be, I think it's going to damage morale amongst fans after an already kind of soul sapping defeat uh, in Porto. So for me, I think Kane makes the most sense on like a natural transfer basis. But if you think, if you're talking clearly on the players, to me, it's just Taland is younger. He's on a, you know, he's done it in two different leagues and the Champions League. It doesn't seem like he's got any problem with adapting to different places and making step ups. It's not like he's completely unproven. Uh, you know, it's not as if they're signing him straight from Salzburg, where you know an Aust- Austrian league isn't. You wouldn't imagine the greatest of standards. It's not like he's going from that sort of league straight to the Premier League. He's had that year to develop. He's younger. He's perfect for cities. You know, he's got multiple City connections. Obviously, his father used to play there, and we've all seen the picture of him wearing the kit as a kid. If they, they want to spend money and they've got enough money, they've got a big war chest, they've been saving, as Simon said on this podcast, and several times. City have been planning for this summer to be the one where they go and sign the striker. And to me, Haaland is just, if you miss out on him, if you sign Kane this summer and Kane and Haaland goes to someone else next year, have you just missed the opportunity for your striker to be signed for the next 10 years, for for maybe to start for the next three? I don't know. What, 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 what do you stand, do you think?
0: I'm not sure that Erling Haaland is going to be your ten-year striker because how old, is he now? is it you know early twenty, just twenty. 20-year-old. So he could
1: get the burnout game. Has to be fair, yeah. He's he's moved sort
0: of clubs two or three times, and you know, fair enough. His his career path through you know Salzburg and and stuff that that players don't tend to stay there that often. But I can see wherever Haaland goes next within you know. 3 or 4 years he's he's angling for a move to real madrid or psg i, I don't know there's something about him just looking from the outside in harland sort of he's got a really sort of outward personality and it's uh, it's great to watch and he's a very very confident lad but i, I do think that he'd be a bit restless I, i'm not convinced he is a striker that's going to do what Aguero did and stay for 10 years even though as you say he's got all those city connections so you know even if they don't sign him this summer it might turn out in a few years time that they could sign him again i'm not too sure but you know it, if you've got a choice of Haaland or kane you're guaranteed goals either way and uh what struck me with when Haaland played at the etihad for dortmund is he did something that i've not seen any other player do this season which was shrug ruben diaz off the ball like he wasn't there and you know get a decent shot away and he, i I can't think of many other players who got past Diaz and made him look so normal this season. So if City do decide that that Harland is the one for them, it's not a bad option, is it? It's uh, he's a, he's a top class striker, and they could work on you know keeping him and persuading him to stay for for a long time. Like it's not yeah. my theory that he might he won't stay. Isn't you know set in stone? They could they could turn it around. But I do think City look for signings. Who are going to stay there for a while? You look at you know De Bruyne, Sterling, Gundogan, Stones, players like that in the last few years who have then gone on to sign new contracts and and they, they like to create a long term feel within the squad. And um, I'm not too sure that Erling Haaland would be that. I think Harry Kane would stay at City until the end of his career if he if he's if he did that. But um, you mentioned his, Kane's injuries. I think City a better place to manage his workload more than Spurs are. Spurs don't have a, they've never really had a good backup striker. Um, Kane has to play pretty much every game of season for them to be anywhere near successful. City have players like Jesus to play the season basically without a striker this year. So that's not sustainable for the next two or three years, but they've shown they can do it on a one-off basis where if Kane needs a rest, if he needs a week or two out of the, out of the spotlight, can just sit on the bench for a bit and I think that would suit Kane more as he comes to the sort of uh, latter years of his career and uh, that might be why he's dropping those hints about City and saying he wants to play with De Bruyne because he sees a bit more of a club that's going to manage his his injuries a bit better than uh, Spurs do because Spurs can't afford not to play him.
1: Mm. Yeah you're right I I say I think uh, whoever they get they're going to get a striker who's Pretty much near guaranteeing your 30 goals, which City haven't had. Uh, well, they had it last year of Aguero, of course, but Aguero's uh, injuries have kind of derailed his kind of consistency in the team, um, much like Kane may well do. You know, the City's top goal scorer this year was Gundawan with 17 in all competitions. It, it, it's clear that City, in tight games, you know, they've won the league this year and they got to a Champions League final. They've not been bad, but it's clear that in certain games, they've just missed that guy who can really just stay in the middle and just finish it off when it. When it matters the most, when you know when the stakes are really the highest, they need someone to do that. I think, as you say, either or they'll get the person who can do that, take them to the next edge. And you know they lost the Champions League final city as we said, but I don't think, and I'm sure I didn't I didn't listen to your podcast last week when you were discussing it, but I'm sure it's not the end of City's journey. They're gonna get to the Champions League final again, much like PSG the previous year. Those clubs, these clubs are the ones that are on the rise at the minute. They've got the good young players and the really talented players. Madrid and Barcelona. You know, the signing, no disrespect to Aguero, he's a world class player and he still is. And I'm sure he'll get 20 goals in La Liga. But the signing, a 32 year old guy who's just been released from City, they're, they're getting the scraps now. They're getting City's 20 year old centre back on a free. They're wrestling to get Wijnaldum on a free and Memphis to pie. They're not Barcelona and Madrid, even though the reputations in players' eyes obviously remain high. They're not the cutting edge anymore. They're not the teams going, they're not the teams buying the youngest players, you know, they're not going out spending 90 million on Ronaldo anymore or Mbappe and that was obviously the whole basis of the Super League. So City's day will come again and I think the getting the striker is what's going to kind of put them to the, um, over the edge to finally get there. But what else was interesting from Carl part one of his interview was that he also said that other areas needed improving and to be honest, I didn't think there was many that did, Joe. I mean, obviously, there's been the continued problems at left back, even though Zinchenko and Cancelo were both played brilliantly there this year. Obviously, they're not a natural left back, and Mendy doesn't seem, unfortunately, that he'll be able to get back to his kind of pre-injury best or the promise he showed. So, for me, left back is probably the only real position that you'd think would need strengthening. But do you think there's any others there? City so may be able to spend a bit of money this year, other than striker.
0: Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you say, City will come again in the Champions League and the the areas they need strengthening are quite obvious and clear. It's not like they need loads of different positions. Striker is the main one, left-back, definitely. I I think, I've I've been hoping that Benjamin Mendy would turn it around because I think there was a player there and, uh, you know, that that first season that he signed, he looked great and he was winning fantasy football points all over the place and then since then it's just just not worked for him and the fact that Guardiola doesn't trust him as a a left-back in a back-four, really limits what he can offer this squad because Guardiola wants players who can play in two or three positions and Mendy can't even play in his designated position he can only play as a wing back when there's support from you know an extra centre back so I can't see Mendy's uh, time at City really turning around so if it's this summer or next summer surely a left back's going to come in but then again there aren't any really standout options for me that I can see around Europe who would who would come in at left back so maybe it's going to take a signing of the like of Ferran Torres so a young relatively cheap budget value player who can be molded in the next year or so keep Alex Inchenko has done quite a good job you've got Ake and Laporte who can fill in there Mendy can still do a job at times if needed and uh, and use that obviously you've got cancelo as well who's a very good uh, left back when uh, when he's called upon so I, th- I think that might be the way forward Nuno Mendes keeps get- getting mentioned but uh, we've written at MEN that City aren't interested in him so I think when Caldoun says other areas, for me, I got the impression that if if something pops up, if something presents itself, then they'll look into it, and uh, that's where left back falls into for me. If if a player, say, someone does really well at the Euros and and becomes available, then that seems like an opportunity that City might might follow for me and. Uh, but I can't pinpoint a left back there's no real no one in the Premier League for so me uh, Anthony
1: Robinson linked the other day um, of Fulham formable to Wanderer's fame I mean he's a. have seen mm-hmm. him play before he's a good young player but he doesn't scream He'd be know, he's, put he's put put in that signing isn't he yeah.
0: Yeah, and yeah that could be the sort of budget option that, that I'm talking about but he's not going to come in and play in a the next Champions League final, is he? He's, he's, um, he? He would be one to develop and I think that might be where they're looking for. And another area, I think, to look at in the next few years would be uh, defensive midfield. Fernandinho is out of contract, not on the retained list, but obviously we know that talks are ongoing and that was always the plan. It would make sense for, but for all parties to just give Fernandinho another year, but after that, it'll be you know, I think he's gonna be thirty seven at the end of this month and he'll be thirty eight at the end of next season and after that he's not really gonna gonna have much much left in those ridiculously uh, talented legs. So yeah, I think defensive midfield might be one to look at. There are a few few players in the city football group that, that might be an option. There are a few players coming through the uh the academy but also um, I think midfield long term is an area to look at because De Bruyne and Gundogan aren't getting any younger so that might be another one if an opportunity presents if someone is available for relatively decent money to strengthen those midfield areas that might be an area but City know this they they plan ahead by two or three transfer windows every time so they'll have the targets they'll know what areas need strengthening when Caldo says that Hill have been thinking exactly which areas are the ones that they're looking at. And uh, for me, yeah, midfield and, and left-back would be those two areas.
1: Mm, yeah, definitely. I think, I say, left-back is the one that's been a problem for City for a while now. We all know that. There was an uh, interesting Tag last summer, but I believe he's 28, 29 now, getting on himself. He might not be the, um, you know, the springest of chickens. As I say, Anthony Robinson, really talented young player. Well, I don't even know if he's that young now. He might be 23 or 24 himself, actually. But not not one that screams starter. That's That would give the impression Cancelo and Zinchenko are going to kind of keep the role for now. And there's no problem in that. They're both really good. Zinchenko especially has come a long way again in the last few months of the season, I thought. CDM is interesting, I should say. I think there's a lot of players in the academy. You know, Tommy Doyle's played there. Pep Guardiola, was, I think it was maybe against Burton, Albion potentially in a cup game. He played there or Preston, Preston North End maybe. Um, last season or so ago. Um, he played. You know, Doyle's usually a more dynamic box-to-box centre midfielder, but he put Guardiola played him in the defensive midfield role and was really kind of praised how he played out of his position. Obviously, really impressed. Hopefully, Doyle kind of sees more action next season. He's you know City. Through and through, you can't get much more City than uh, having two granddads who are legends at the club. So they look. We see more of him next year. He would not surprise me if he kind of maybe took up a bit more responsibility. Whereas Fernandinho's kind of legs um, limit him to a bit more time on the bench. And Rodri, who seems to. Maybe he's lost his way a little bit. Maybe he needs a summer of kind of recuperation to get refreshed. And, you know, it's not hard for any of these uh, players from mainland Europe or South America who are away from the families all the year in isolation due to COVID. So, you know, it's no share, it's no kind of surprise at all if some players kind of have a little bit of a dip in form. I'm sure Rodri will get back to his best before long. Douglas Louise may be an option there. Obviously, City have a buyback clause on him from Aston Villa. Guardiola, full of praise for him as well when he sold him. Obviously, didn't want to sell him, but um, work permit issues came in the way. Then the other position that might kind of be a thing, um, attacking midfield or a winger, like with a lot of links to Jack Grealish recently, Joe. And He's class. He's brilliant, Grealish. I love Grealish. I think he's absolutely one of the last few kind of mavericks um, in the Premier League. as a player who unashamedly just loves dribbling and being the star of the show. But that's what kind of worries me of him going to a team like City. Like at Villa, he's given free reign to basically do what he wants. He he's the star. He's the captain. He's the number ten. He's everything at Villa. He's the star man. He's free to either be on the left or be in attacking midfield role. He's got the freedom to attack as much as he wants. And I don't say he doesn't put a shift in going backwards, but he has no kind of tactical, um, tactical kind of restraints on him but City he certainly that's something that may hinder him a player that's such a kind of free spirit on the ball doesn't compute with a Guardiola side we've seen it before Zlatan Ibrahimovic a similar kind of maverick character just didn't work in such a machine where City are and maybe it's something that City are missing a bit of something different to what he had and it just, it was a clash of personalities, it didn't work. Maybe Grealish could be that for Guardiola, just that bit of something, a bit like Marez is now, but I think Marez has kind of come a lot more within the machine this last year, which I think is why he's been so good. But Grealish maybe could be that one to offer that bit of spark, that bit of, like in the Champions League final per se, when the City just had were void of ideas. When have you ever seen City put a long throw in into the box? They did it three times in the last 10 minutes of the Champions League final. And obviously it came to nothing because they don't have a, a big man up front to nod him on, does he? There's no Kevin Davis in there. So, Grealish maybe is that little spark that maybe sees a really talented player who he wants to be a little different to what he already has, something a bit outside the box, something that would fight back against his machine How if how, if it'd work at City. I think we'll learn a lot about Grealish
0: with how he performs in the Euros for England because for, for Aston Villa he's always been sort of the big fish in the small pond. Well, in, in the last couple of years in the Premier League anyway, he's been the one that they turn to to make something happen but he'd have to be part of a team part of a a unit who share out those those moments of brilliance and sometimes you've got to pass it instead of having a shot and uh, I think he could fit into that but Guardiola and, and the people at City who might be looking at Grealish will probably have a close eye on those England games and see how he how he functions alongside with no disrespect to, to Villa a better quality of players and against a better opposition a lot of the time where he might have to do a bit more of a tactical game rather than just running but um, I've I've not seen too much of Grealish obviously you see the highlights and stuff and um, most of the time you see him when Villa are playing a, a bigger side because that's when they're on, on TV more and he's he struggles to, to make an impact when they don't have possession as much obviously he scores some good goals but it's been really interesting for me to watch him in those two England friendlies where he, he just runs and runs and runs and, and he's got a Ridiculous knack of winning winning free kicks, so I'm I'm really excited to watch him in the Euros and and see see how he does. I think yeah, if City wanted him, he's at a cracking age. He could be tailored and and uh, he could learn the ways of playing under Guardiola. Players have done it in the past. Riyad Mahrez has done it. Bernardo's done it. Um, Raheem Sterling as well. Um, it's not out of the question that he can learn that, and he seems like a player who who is what who would want to do that. I think. Um, he, he would be a signing as well as would Harry Kane that would weaken an opposition, and that's sort of the the Bayern Munich effect where you you make a signing to make yourself stronger, stronger and an opponent weaker, and it's that's what the big teams do. That's what they do. They're ruthless on the pitch and ruthless in the transfer market. So that would be another advantage to to signing Grealish. And you mentioned Douglas Louise before. If City have a a buyback clause on that, maybe they could use that as part of negotiations and the could also do that with Haaland, with the uh, sell-on clause for for Jadon Sancho. So it's going to be an interesting summer. Um, If they come away with Grealish and one of Kane or Haaland, then you won't find many, many City fans complaining at all because they
1: have very, very exciting players. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a very intriguing one in terms of incomings. But what actually might be quite interesting as well, Joe, is the outgoing, surprisingly, a lot of City's kind of mainstays, players you wouldn't really think of going. Being linked away now, we don't know how much kind of truth is into these rumors, of course. But when you see, you usually don't see the link that the likes of Raheem Sterling being linked away. Um, Laporte's and Laporte's a bit more understandable, of course, He's kind of fallen down the pecking order this season. It must have been tough for him, but obviously, still another massive name to be linked away. Bernardo Silva's being linked away just today. Gabriel Jesus keeps getting linked, um, with Juventus, and obviously, a lot of players getting linked with a potential swap deal with Spurs, um, which. Swap deals are rare. The kind of reports that I to suggest that they might come in a bit now this year because clubs are struggling after COVID and stuff. But I'd be surprised if City kind of get involved in something like that at such a high level. And then um, today, uh, Gundawan being linked away as well. These players that like, you're not expected to ever be kind of reported with links away to City, but I've been doing. Do you reckon we could be in for some kind of surprise departures
0: this summer? Maybe one or two, but uh, the number that are being reported, surely they're not going to let, you know three or four of the the team that have just won the Premier League and got to the Champions League final for the first time. You know, this is a team that's been together for years and is evolving and it might even be a step back if you lose a few of those key components. Um, I I understand why players like Jesus, Sterling, Laporte are being linked away because they've not had the best seasons, but there's a lot of players at city who haven't had good seasons and then have really bounced back and won the place back you know just because john stones had a good season doesn't mean he's going to stay next season as as first choice you know guardiola rewards the players who work hard and win the place back so yeah it it really depends laporte's an interesting one for me because he clearly wants to play regular football at the highest level he's he's swapped international allegiances for that very reason so but i think it would be a shame if city were to lose him but if if it's a case of maybe getting one star signing over two when you could let a player go and bring in those those two players. Maybe it would make sense, especially if a player is not happy and is uh, maybe potentially given a bit of grief behind the scenes. So it all depends. City are, are clever. They, they know what, what value their players hold. They know what value other players hold. They won't stay from that at all. Look at, you know, turning down an extra million, for uh, Eric Garcia and keeping him for the whole season and barely playing him they'll, they'll stick to their guns if, if they need to but you know it, it's all a long term thing and they've got some players who are who are getting older who are pushing 30 and above like Mares, Gundogan they're not going to really probably stay beyond the current contract so if they do have a bit of value now is it worth selling them while they're on a high I don't know it, it feels like every player is getting linked with Barcelona as well at the same time so I, I think it's it's one to watch but I'd be surprised to see as you say many Many go. And, uh, again, when when they're looking at signing a striker and you see Gabriel Jesus getting linked, surely the point of bringing in a new striker is to have support with Gabriel Jesus. And I was talking about Harry Kane before. There's, it defeats the purpose of signing Harry Kane when you're going to get rid of his support as well. And I'm a big fan of Jesus anyway. I wouldn't sell him at all. But, yeah, I, th- I think it will be uh, one to watch, but I can't see exits on the, uh, on the level that have been reported. I'll, I'll be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as, as we say... But both directions from City, it seems like it's gearing up to be kind of the most significant summer in a long time for City. It feels like they need to get this Oguero replacement right, maybe straight in a few key areas. You know, Getting to the Champions League final, even though it was heartbreaking end, it was a massive step for City to get there at all. You know, they've, they've only gotten there 11 years ago, 10 years ago, they went into the Champions League for the first time. To go from that to the final in such a short amount of time, there's been such so much drastic change and improvement in the club. And it's as I say, it's not the end of the story. It's just, it's just the beginning, really. And I think now is a crucial time, as Caldun said, to really kind of capitalise on that improvement. And I think, I think we're in for a really interesting summer. We'll have it all covered on the MEN, of course. The transfer window opens this Wednesday on June 9th. I think it runs till August thirty first before closing before the season starts. I believe the season starts till September twelfth next year. If that's Correct, so certainly going to be an interesting uh, summer, we'll have it all in the MEN, but it's also going to be a fun summer, because Joe, very quickly, we do have the European Championships, Euro 2020 in the year of 2021, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it man, crowds, international football, I'm, I'm sure the players, it might not be the best quality football, because all the players are going to be absolutely goosed after such um, a hard 18 months or so, but it's, it's going to be exciting to watch some international football again, with fans in the crowds, with any luck, if everything continues to Go in the right direction. What do you reckon to England? The England squad, which has just finally been confirmed, with Ben White taking Trent Alexander-Arnold's place. Um, four City players in that squad, of course, with Foden, Sterling, Stones, and Walker. What do you reckon to the squad and what do you reckon to England's chances of actually winning it? I won't go that far. I'm not sure.
0: I Think they'll need a lot of luck to win it, especially with the way the draw is going to going to pan out. But um, I would, I'd, I'd back all of England's four uh, cities, four players to to be in England's first choice starting eleven. I think. There's a lot of debate over, you know, should Grealish or Foden start? But I, th- I would start a player like Raheem Sterling. I think he deserves a chance to play his way back into form, and I also think that wow. he's a better. I think he's a better player to start because I don't think he would have as much of an impact off the bench as a player like Grealish or Foden or Jaden Sancho. So I, I think England squad is split into a sort of basically into half of of players who can, you know, play a tactical game for the first half, first hour, wear a team down. hopefully get a lead, keep the scores level and then you can bring on exciting players who can run at a tired defence and I think players like Sterling you know factor into that first category and he's into he's experienced international he's got to the the semi-final in of the world cup so uh, i'm hoping i think it's a big tournament for him because he's not the best season i think he can uh, hopefully play his way back into form ahead of next season it's a good opportunity for him to do that i think he'll get the chances i think with trent alexander arnold pulling out kyle walker should be the first choice right back but it's also positive that with so many options in defense he probably won't get overplayed if he if England don't need to play him, which is uh, positive. Likewise, Foden, um, I think he will be a big part of England's successes if they have any, but he doesn't need to be played every minute of every game. Um, and John Stones probably will play more than most because of England's struggle, uh, sort of way for thin defence. But again, it's a chance for him to build on, uh, build on his good season, and especially with. Laporte putting all of his cards on on the table by switching to to Spain. It's a big tournament for him to go and uh, show why he deserves to be a part of um, of Guardiola's first team next season. So the, I, I reckon there might be a, a bit of an intercountry rivalry between Stones and Laporte there of uh, who partners Ruben Dias and on the subjects, subject subject to Dias. For me, Portugal are favourites with uh, with that. Core of city players. I don't know if uh, if you have any other ideas. I think Belgium have an easier side of the draw, but with Kevin De Bruyne, but surely Portugal are, are going to be No, a I there.
1: I agree with you. I think Portugal have got the by, apart from maybe France, um, they've got by far the most balanced and talent laden squad in there. I mean, Andre Silva, um, who's just scored twenty eight goals, I think, in a season for Frankfurt. Can't even make the start. Can't even get off the bench in a friendly against Spain. Um, thus, is there a kind of attacking might? You know, they got Fernandes, Ronaldo. Joao Felix, uh, J- Diogo Yotta, a few, uh, Rafa, I think there's another player called Rafa, a speedy winger. And then they've got such a solid midfield, with, you know, and creative midfield with your Moutinho's, Neves's, uh, Bernardo Silva, of course. And then defence, they've got two, they've got three really good keepers. There's Pepe, the old war horse, still going strong. I can't wait to see Pepe and Diaz as a partnership. That would be absolutely awesome because, man, I just love Pepe. The way you knocked us awesome. out of the um, Champions League was amazing. But yeah, I know the centre back situation isn't the best, and I, I to be honest with you, I think Maguire should. I don't see with an ankle ligament injury how he's going to be fit in time. I'd be, I, if I was Southgate, I'd be getting leave it till the day before the first game. But maybe he drops out and Godfrey comes in for the seat for the tournament. But centre back situation aside, I'm I'm quietly optimistic England can do something here. I'm Southgate. I think. There's no you. You made good points. To why Sterling may have to play or maybe deserves to play. Um, for like a tactical standpoint, not even from sentimental reasons. You know, we all know Southgate kind of has his favourites with the likes of Dyer, who's thankfully not gone, okay. but also like Trippier and Lingard and those sort of players. But to me, I don't see. I think Sterling's like the the bottom of the... Apart from maybe Calvert-Lewin, it's kind of bottom, bottom of the attacking pecking order. I don't see how he could... put And same with Rashford, who's obviously had his injury problems and had, I think he scored one goal in the final 10 games of the season. I don't see how either Rashford or Sterling can kind of be justified in starting these games when Ford and Sancho... The two uh, who should be playing on either side for me, and then Grealish as the kind of the third choice. Like I just don't see how either of them can go, get getting ahead of those three. You know, Lingard was with the England's inform attacker, and he didn't even get on the plane even when there was another choice. So for me, you go in form, you go your best players who are performing, and that front three would be Foden, Kane, Sancho, and I think mid- midfield behind again. i have saying I don't think Henderson should be playing if he's not fit. And midfield behind him of you know Champions League winner Mason Mount. Declan Rice and then Jude Bellingham I think that's such a really really good side it might be let down by Tyrone Mings or Connor Cody Mm -hmm. making an absolute howler no doubt in the last 16 and we'll go out on penalties but I'm quite confident England can do something and I must say I'm really excited for uh, tournament of football even if the players are going to be absolutely knackered by the end of it
0: but it's a similar situation to City have isn't it a lot of good attackers who can play in different positions no guarantee no sort of obvious first choice 11 and a lot of options from the bench and City have won plenty of trophies in the last few years I can't think of an England squad that's had this much depth and options in going into a tournament even if we're a bit thin in defence so as you say that for that reason I am quietly confident and if Southgate wants to change it the first time in a long time he's got options from the bench and mm-hmm. he can learn from City and how to manage those players and rotate and
1: uh, yeah, yeah. It, on if that basis it's good it doesn't matter if the defence is bad because we'll just outscore everyone <laughs> so fingers crossed let's hope I've not jigs it. thank you everybody for tuning in and listening to us we'll be back next week hopefully with some nice City developments and maybe talking about a strong England win in the first uh game of their uh, Euro 2020 campaign. Of course, go over to Manchester Evening News forward slash Manchester City for all the latest developments on in the transfer window and all the latest City news you could possibly want. Thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. ta